there's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Neal the rebound. Kevin Alley brings it up. Throws it across. Miller for three. Oh, he backed it in. He backed it in. And the game is tied. We're going to overtime. Over the rebound for his ninth. 18 points, nine rebounds, six oh. assists. Oh, 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 oh the chicken. Double time. Miles Turner. Yeah. Welcome to the NBA, my friend. Turner sets the screen. Oh, Whoa. oh, oh, oh no. Oh, no. Right Don't let him throw it down like that. Victor on the deep phone. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Born Ready to Pod podcast. Welcome to episode 29 of the Born Ready to Pod podcast. Very special episode here for you guys today. Listener call-in episode. We got three guys, three Pacers fans calling in, joining us on the podcast. Going to talk all things from Indiana Pacers to Beanie Babies. It gets crazy. Coming up here next. All right, welcome to our first Born Ready to Pod hotline phone call. We've took taken your recorded messages, uh, but now we're doing it live in person. So we've selected three lucky fans, listen of the fans of the Pacers slash listeners of the podcast. They follow us on Twitter, very active on our Twitter account. So we selected these three guys. Think you're going to enjoy them. First one we have for you today is Chris Poindexter. Pacers fan that's always active on our Twitter account. So, Chris, we very much appreciate you joining us here on the podcast today. Uh, thank you for having me, guys. So, we're just going to um, we're gonna give you the floor here. So, pretty much anything that you have to say about the Pacers here in the last couple of weeks, what you've seen, any questions, anything, anything you want to talk about, we're just going to give you the floor and we're going to go from there. All right. Sounds good. Um, just. Real quick, I'm Chris. I'm the creator of This Is My City blog. Uh, we're on Twitter at This Is My City CP because This Is My City was already taken for some reason. Um, so, real quick, what are you guys willing to do to get rid of TJ Leaf? I will do anything to get rid because of TJ Because I'm, I'm willing to trade him over to Italy and bring back Travis Peter. <laughs> That's a good, that's a good hot take. Um, yeah, I think uh, Leaf. He's been one of the biggest headaches we've had all year. We knew it was kind of a, uh, I don't want to call it a joke, but we knew it wasn't going to work out when they said that Leaf was going to see the backup four minutes, and then they brought in O'Quinn kind of to push him, and then it kind of turns out neither one of them are getting too many minutes. So um, yeah, I think Leaf's time in the NBA is pretty short. I think that was a you know fairly bad pick, and uh, he he didn't even dominate the summer league. So I, I wouldn't be sad to see him go whatsoever. What do you think, Hawk? Yeah, TJ Leaf is god-awful. If you can get anything in return for him, that would be amazing. I don't think you could. I mean, Pritchard is a wizard sometimes with his uh, magical uh, fingers of magic, but I really don't think there's anything out there for TJ Leaf in this league. I think the faster we can send him to the G League and bring up someone to actually maybe be in that role as, like, what, the 10th man, 
I think would be more beneficial to us. But I'm more curious what you think because you have This Is My City blog. So what do you think about TJ Leaf? Um, I don't know. I think I would rather have Miles Plumley at this point. Whoa, whoa. <laughs> Shots fired. They're both they're both sitting on the bench doing nothing. I mean, I I wanted to be positive about TJ Leaf, but I mean, outside of that Spurs game where he had what seven points, I think, and the putback dunk, which so amazes me to this day, he's been useless. It looks it's like Nate has to put him in on Pritchard's orders or something. I know we didn't play last night against the Bulls, but do you think, I don't really know what the point is. Do you think that with uh, them calling Alizé up, that that's kind of a signal right there that he didn't play in the Bulls game, but do you think that's kind of a signal there too to say, well, we're going to give this kid minutes, and if he outplays TJ, it's obvious that, you know, I mean, look what he's doing in the G League. He's putting up a double-double every night. So do you think that with the way that Alizé has been playing, the getting called up, this is pretty much kind of just like uh, the Pacers are waving the white flag and they're surrendering that finally they're saying T.J. Leaf isn't going to work out? I think so. I think you can't look at what Alizé is doing in the D-League and just be like, well, we're sticking with T.J. Leaf until he's gone. I'm, I don't know if we'll cut him after the end of the season. I don't know how long his contract is. I'm pretty years, sure they probably. just uh, they renewed his his uh, they have like a renewal date on those rookie contracts and yeah, they just renewed he's that for his third year yeah yeah so they renewed that so I don't see them cutting him I, I the only way I see what what's going to happen is he'll be on the team for another couple years and then they'll let him walk or he's just going to be a throw in on a trade yeah as far as a ten yeah, could... guy on the bench not playing I mean you can do worse I think as far as like a 22-year-old guy, guy who has never even shown a flash. So maybe I don't even know what I'm talking about. But I think he could do worse for a 10th or 11th man on the, the bench. But I, I agree he hasn't shown any incentive to be that he needs to be a pacer. Yeah, I, I agree he's probably going to get thrown in on a trade somewhere if that's D.C., which despite D.C.'s problems this season, he's starting to turn it on the last few games. Who are we? Are we DC. Oh, Darren Carlson. Uh, yeah, I'm not. I I haven't been a fan. Um, I know he he did play well. <laughs> he did play well last night. Um, I did catch the second half of that game. Uh, but he also, for all intent and purposes, cost us the Sacramento Kings game with some stupid play. Um, in my opinion, uh, when you're a veteran point guard, you can't turn the ball over in in clutch moments. And um, I'm just not a big DC fan. I don't think he he does much for us. Um, I think he's okay in in short stints, but um, I definitely think uh, in order for the Pacers to get to the next level, we have to have a more dynamic point guard, uh, somebody that can make plays, and I I really don't think DC's that guy. I know he shot well from three last year, but um, to be quite frank, it's because he's wide open (laughs) because no one really really guards him and takes it seriously. So that's my opinion. No, I don't think – yeah, I – Go ahead. No, no, I'm just saying that's my opinion. I can definitely see where you see flashes where this guy should be a starting point guard in the league. I just think if you really want to make some noise in the playoffs, it's going to take something or, you know, it's going to take someone a little more dynamic. I was hoping Tyreek could take that, but he's almost worse with the ball than, than Collison at the moment. So uh, it's kind of driving me nuts Re- personally. Reek misses more layups than Fab lately. <laughs> yeah, there you we go. We just made that proc- proclamation last night. We asked – who would you count more 
count on more towards if you needed a layup, Thad or uh, Tyreek in crunch time. And I honestly couldn't answer that question. You could give me an argument either way for both of those. I'd go with Thad because there's a 25% chance he gets his own rebound and makes the second. <laughs> there you go. That's I not like a bad that. take. Um, so what do you think, before we let you go, I'll ask you another question. What do you think about how the Pacers have played without Oladipo here over the past couple of weeks? And are there any questions or concerns that you might have for them going forward, you know, since he is out indefinitely now? I mean, it's very obvious that we need him. Uh, but, you know, we're, I think, with counting the Hawks game, what are we, five and four without him? Yes. Or four and four. Five, five and, and four, four, counting the Hawks um, game. So, you can definitely make the argument that Reek was the better pickup than Lance, as much as I hate to say that, because I love Lance. But we've also had some big games on that uh, road trip that, I wasn't expecting because I've been at 100% out on McDermott since we signed him. I stayed up till 1 a.m. to find out that our big free agent signing was Doug McDermott. Um, he did average 16 and a half points on that West Coast trip, though, so I'm only 75% out on him now. Okay. Starting to grow on you a little bit. Last, he only had two points last night, though, in a game that we really needed him. He was one of five from the field. Yeah, and that's one of the things I see but, with McDermott is, I mean, he's always been streaky, and, I mean, when he's on, he's not going to miss, as you saw on that West Coast trip, but when he's missing, I mean, he could literally be shooting into the Pacific Ocean, and you feel like he still wouldn't make it. So, I get what you're saying there. Like, it's either, you don't, you're not going to get, like, a middle ground game from McDermott. He's either going to be hot, or he's going to come out there and get two points. Yeah, I, I think we need Vic back. I think we're going to play 500 ball until he comes back. I don't, I don't see anyone really stepping up and having big games consistently. Miles had a big game against the Bulls, so did DC, but no one's going to be super consistent except maybe Sabonis, who didn't even have a consistent game last night. Yeah, I think he had nine, and all that was in the second half. Yeah, he did not have a good first half. I'm pretty sure he finished with a double double though, or close to it. Yeah. yeah, but definitely had a bad first half last night. Have you guys seen that Corey Joseph is shooting 10% higher than his career average from three this year? I did not see that. It's kind of like, a, it's kind of like the Darren Collison from last year, kind of. Yeah. And I can see Yeah, he's shooting, he's shooting 43.4% from three, and I'm fully convinced it's the new hairdo. Yeah, it's got to be. <laughs> Get that man more shots. Like, yeah, he's 46.5% uh, from the field. Uh... And his career average from three is thirty three point eight. So what you're saying is Corey Joseph needs to be a spot up three point shooter from now on. No, no, he <laughs> takes about two to three a game. Let's stick with that. But he is shooting them at a much better rate than he ever has. I'm full in on cornrows in the man bun, Corey Joseph. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And he's just, I mean, defensively, he's obviously better than Collison. So. Love to see him get more minutes, and you can kind of see McMillan. He goes to Corey Joseph in late-game situations, and I think when Oladipo gets back, you might see Collison not on the floor during those situations. So, uh, Chris, we really appreciate you uh, giving us here a few minutes, calling in to the podcast. And once again, before we let you go, do another plug for your blog and where people can follow you at it once again. Uh, we're on uh, Twitter at 
at this is my city CP. Um, we are now into the Colts too. I have a friend who's a bigger Colts fan than I am, and he knows everything about anything Colts. So he's writing blogs. Um, our link to the blog is in our bio on Twitter. So give us a follow. We'd really appreciate. We're trying to uh, grow it as much as we can. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on, guys. Yeah, best of luck with that. We appreciate you coming on, man. All uh, right, thank you. All right, guys, next up today on our phone-in hotline from our fans, listeners, Pacers fans out there, we have a very special guest. This guy is very active on Twitter. We uh, met him at the Fan Jam a few months ago, and, you know, he's just been a big Born Ready to Pod guy since the beginning. We've named him as the ambassador, ambassador uh, whatever. He's just got a high title with us, so thanks a lot. This is Dewan. Actually, his real name's Nicholas. Nick, Nick Small, but we call him Dewan because that's what his Twitter handle is. So, Dewan, thanks a lot for joining us today. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. So, I'm just going to give you the floor now. So, you give you, express your thoughts, whatever you got Pacers related. I mean, it could be anything, any topic, really. Just go ahead and let it all out. If you got any questions, release those, and we'll just have a nice chat. All right, sounds cool. Um, I didn't have anything, you know, written out. I had a long day at work. But um, I, I don't want to talk about Sabonis and Turner because that's, <laughs> that's too much. But um, my one thing I, I keep thinking about is uh, what are we going to do or are we going to do anything with Collison or make any move in the trademark in the, you know, by the trade deadline. Um, I guess really, like, I more so had questions. Like, what, who can we – target in the trade I keep hearing like Kemba um, like what would be a good fit for this team because um, obviously you know we can tell with Vic being out you know we, we, we obviously need just a little bit more help and it just kind of seems like with all the talent we have we just can never have like we've only had probably a couple of games where the whole team has kind of clicked if that makes sense um so maybe just like one other piece, you know, I like the, the Kemba sounds great. And then I've heard some rumors about like how Trevor Reza would be a good fit. But so if we go after something, what do we give up? Like what, what do you guys think we give up? Yeah, I think we definitely, I think Trevor Reza would be a good fit. Um, and the reason I think he'd be a great fit is what we'd have to give up to get him. Um, I'm not sure. I, I, I sort of think that Phoenix Suns are just looking for a veteran point guard, and I think we, you know, with the emergence of Holiday, um, with the ability that Evans has to bring up the ball, although some of the decisions he make is, makes with it is rather baffling. But I think it, you could see something like maybe a Darren Collison for Trevor Reza swap. Maybe we have to throw in something else, God forbid, like TJ Leaf or something. Um, and... I mean, that's probably, I think, the best-case scenario. I, I, I really like the idea of adding Kimba now. I, I was really against it, um, but he has proven to be a dynamic playmaker that can defend a little better than I thought. I think he's kind of playing for a contract, but I don't. I think we'd have to give way too much to get him. So I think, in all reality, our best our best bet may be targeting the Phoenix Suns, who so desperately, desperately need a veteran point guard, and uh, they have Trevor Reza, who would be huge for us because I, I think his ability to three and D, we need that, and and you can't have enough shooters in the NBA. Yeah, I will yeah. just say that there's only four guys on the roster right now that I think are untradeable. I think it's probably Miles, 
Victor, Domas, and I'd have to throw Bojan in there the way he's been playing this season. I don't think you don't want to trade a guy that's playing like that with the money that he's making. He's a good value. But anybody else, I think Thad, Darren, just all even McDermott. I mean, he's making seven million. It's a team that might need him like a shooter guy or someone to fill a contract. He, those are the guys that you'd look to be traded, I think, and, and that other teams might want to target. Those kind of uh, are second-tier players that are can definitely help an NBA team. Yeah, so the, you got to think that, like, you know, Kevin Pritchard kind of rides his roster out. Or, cause I think even a guy like Tariq Evans is up for grabs, yeah. obviously, with the one-year deal he took. And it's is he hurting his value? But I mean, his play hasn't been spectacular. You know, he's had you know a couple of good games where he's been the guy that we expected him to be. I know we were throwing out a lot of lineup scenarios, you know, before the season started and everything. But it kind of, you know, as I mentioned earlier, like no, you know, there's only been two team games that I consider, you know, team wins. But you know, collectively, we haven't really, I won't say gelled well, but it's just not the same as last year. Yeah. Maybe that, maybe that's because of the expectations were lower last year, and then now we're saying, "Hey, we're easily a fifty-win team." But what what can I what can Tyreek's value be at this point? You know, considering you know he hasn't played as well as we expected. Yeah, I think that's tough um, because I think if you haven't really watched Tyreek Evans, I think he's his numbers aren't terrible, but I think clearly he's more suited to be a starter probably on a bad team which is kind of what he's been his whole career like that's where he's really flourished just being a starter on a bad team and um i don't really know what you would get for him i guess you'd try to trade him to a team uh, but the thing is you're trading him to a contender probably because why would a crappy team be making a deal for a one-year rental so unless they're trying to just kind of flush some space so um, I don't think I think Tyreek would be very hard to sell. I think at this point you're kind of just getting the most out of him you possibly can. I don't think that was a bad signing. I still think that we could still get something out of him. But as far as trading him, I think you'd have to trade him to a contender probably in the Western Conference. And I'm not sure what we would get back would really be worth it because really what what would we get back in return that would be you know, worth it? Like, what What would you consider worth it? Do we need more shooting? Do we need what? What would you say, Dewan? Um, I, I, don't, I don't know if it would be shooting necessarily because I feel like we have the shooters. I think it's just kind of not been there or they haven't been used, you know, effectively because it kind of took, you know, 18 games for McDermott to kind of break out <laughs> more or less. And bogey's been bogey, you know. Love him. Yeah. And, um, and, you know, Vic is, you know, the best player on the team, obviously. So, yeah. And I think Collison, after coming off of that good year he had last year, then the expectation was not the same because I didn't really expect him to keep up that same, you know, those same numbers from last year. But I didn't expect this much of a drop-off. But I think last game kind of indicate or who did we play the other night? Bulls. Um, kind of indicated where, what Collison can still do um, on any given night. It's just a matter of when we're going to bring it up. And I don't know, maybe like maybe it's just a matter of maybe they need to gel more, you know, <laughs> you know or I don't know if it's – I don't want to blame it on Nate, you know, because <laughs> at times I see, you know, we've seen some wacky lineups out there. 
Mm-hmm. But um, and I just the effectiveness of the players, like I said, we have the shooters like Bojan and and Dougie, and we just don't see them being used that often or that effectively. So um, to I guess to answer the question, uh, that's a tough one. Um, like I mean, another three and D guy. Like you know, uh, I don't know if the Trevor reason for him would be an even swap. I'm not, I can't remember the deals they got or anything like that, but. And of course, the trade is based off me. But you know, a, a solid three and D guy. I think a, another solid defensive guy, wing player. Let me be specific, because obviously Thad carries a big load, and so does Victor. And Miles is Miles. But if I think we had another wing out there that's a pretty good defender, it doesn't have to be elite, you know. And I think those shots, you know could come within the system of just, you know, off, offensive rebounds and stuff like that. So not necessarily a guy who has to have the ball to get it to shoot it, but one who, you know, chase down a rebound or be sitting out at the three-point line waiting on the offensive rebound and, you know, shoot the three. So, you know, just a typical 3D guy, Trevor Reza is a good, good type of player, I think, in my opinion. So somebody like that. So one of the things I was going to ask you, because you kind of hit on there for a second, was it sounds like, and I'll even include myself in the discussion, was we've kind of, we're not really impressed with the Pacers thus far, their record-wise at least. They are 14-10, fifth in the East. Um, so do you think that we maybe maybe as fans put far too, I mean, because I think they ha- they have a better record at this point than they did last year. Do you think that we put far too big of expectations on this team because when I look at like the numbers standings wise if you look at what they've done the best one of the best stats is they're 12 and 4 right now against teams below 500 so they're beating the teams that they have to absolutely beat Um, they beat the Bulls and you know the Nets other teams like that the one thing that I find kind of troubling is they're 2 and 6 against teams that are above 500 but, I mean, then you also have to account they've played the last eight games without their best player, eight, nine games if you include the Hawks game, and they're 5-4 and four when last year they were 0-7 without Victor in the lineup. So do you think that we kind of – I mean, this team, they're in the fifth seed, so if the season ended today, they'd finish up right where they were last year. So do you think that we had far too big of expectations for them? Because when you look at things, they're only a couple games back behind Milwaukee right now. Yeah, um, I'm I'm on that same boat. I kind of I'd include myself on that conversation because when the season started, you know, looking at the signings, I said, "Hey, we got a shooter and Doug." You know, the Tariq uh, signing I thought was big, and I I still back it. But uh, I think at some point during the year, we were like 19 and 19 last year. I, I can't remember when. Yeah, you're we, right. You know, right. kind of broke out. Yeah. But I think if we give it to you know. I, Give it a few more games. I still would give it till you know uh, February or so, just because there's so I don't want to say a lot of new guys, but the new guys have big roles, you know. So Tyreek is your, you know, your big replacement off of the bench, you know, and I think that's a that's a major role, you know. So we how many games did we won last year? Forty eight. Yeah. So yeah, when we won forty eight. I think we exceeded expectations, our own included. Because uh, if you look at the numbers, I think like Collison uh, had a career year. Bogey far exceeded expectations because I don't think at one point when we first signed him, 
everybody was thinking GR3 was going to start as opposed to Bogey. Then, yeah. you know, GR3 got injured, and then Bogey just kind of took over from there. Um, so, and he had an outstanding year as well. Then Vic had a super breakout year. And everybody just kind of said, oh, well, we're, we're trending upwards. And then I think on most cases, everybody had up there 48 wins again. So, you know, of course, as fans, we tend to, tend, tend to over-embellish, so me included. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I, I still think we're a 40 to 50 win team. And I think not having Vic this go around is only going to make us stronger, but only if we can continue to gel and we get Vic back at 100% and then we can – you know, keep Doug included in the three-point shooting off the bench. And if we can continue to get, you know, Miles is going to be the rim protector that he is. But if he can get those, you know, 10 or 12 shots a game, I think I think he'll be pretty effective in my mind. And we could probably exceed that 48 to 50 win. Yeah, and I, I think I think right now, if the Pacers were 0 and 9, 1 and 8, you know, 2 and 7, there's no doubt in my mind Victor would be out there playing right now. It's the fact that they're five and four. It's December, so I think right now the Pacers are just saying, "Look, we're winning games. Obviously, we want you out there, but the games that really are going to start mattering is once we turn the calendar year and get to 2019." just take your time getting back. And I think if they go on a big losing streak, I think that might spark him to come back sooner than later. But I mean, like you said, he kind of hit the nail on the head there. These guys are getting a chance to play without, without him right now. So that might be beneficial when he gets back, uh, you know, for these guys to learn how to, you know, these guys off the bench, especially Tyreek, they're learning how to play with each other. So, um, I, absolutely, I think it's going to be better for them in the long run once he returns. Yes, yes, I definitely agree. Especially, you know, with where we're seated. Like you said, we're, what, six games back from first place yeah. or whatever. Toronto has like 20 wins. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, with the way the East is shaking up, uh, you can't, you know, you really just can't count the paces out of those top four spots. You just can't do it. And, um, like I said, if Vic comes back and comes back completely healthy, like I said, if we were like, you know, on the opposite end of the spectrum, of course Vic would be playing. <laughs> yeah. But I don't, I don't think he should have played that Hawks game. I think he came in and kind of dinged his knee up a little bit more and kind of just said, well, I'll sit back. But, of course, I, I think he's like 80% and he just wants to be, you know, fully healthy because he takes on a, a ton of work and he plays really, really, really hard. Yeah, and I I don't think a lot of people notice that, <laughs> which is crazy. Yeah, but he, he plays hard on both ends. Yeah, definitely. I, I've always had a question, Dewan. How does a man from Atlanta, Georgia, become a Pacers fan? What What was your road to becoming a fan like for the Pacers? Good question. Um, my my parents moved around a lot. Yeah. Um, when I was little, my dad was in the Navy, but I I was in Mississippi at the time, and um. Everybody was a big Chicago Bulls fan. I'm like eight or nine years old. And, of course, my dad's from Chicago. So, of course, I like the Bulls, too, and Michael Jordan. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was, uh, it was a game I was just watching Reggie play, and I, I can't remember who they were playing. It had to be like 92 or 93. I was, I was like nine or ten years old. And I just remember Reggie lighting it up. Like, <laughs> and I was like, well, this, this is my team right here. And plus, you know, they were the underdogs, and it was the whole New York yeah. versus indie rivalry back then. I, I really hated John Stark. And <laughs> like, so 
I became a Reggie Miller fan, became a Pacer fan, and I just I just stuck with it from there. And never just, looked back. I love it. Yeah, I just never looked back. And here in Georgia, like I'm trying to go to the game when they when they come the day after Christmas. Yeah. Um, and then I took my first trip to Indy uh, last year um, for my birthday. So it was what was it last year? Year before last, I apologize because it was the game that Lance returned. That was my very first. Oh, game. oh was that that game? perfect game, man! <laughs> yeah, it was. It was perfect. It was perfect because I was happy Lance was back. We won the game. On top of that, that was the layup game where yeah. we were up by twenty whatever, and, and Lance, <laughs> Lance takes that layup. The ball up, and then Corey Joseph is all in his grill, <laughs> and now. <laughs> I guess that's why Lance didn't pass him the ball much last year. <laughs> but, yeah, I've, I've been a fan since I was a youngin'. So. Do you yeah. go to my, many Hawks games down there, or you just you just kind of keep to your Pacers TV? Um, I'll catch them when uh, it's a matchup that I like. I went to a few playoff games a few years back when the Hawks were in the playoffs. Yeah. Um, I'll, go to, I'll go to every indie game when they're here. Um, I don't know if you guys thought, but I, I when they came to Indy last year, took a picture of Kojo and uh, Darren and Lance and everything like that. I took my son to was the year before last. Uh, I can't remember. Y'all remember the when GRC was playing? It was when Paul George was playing, and we were playing the Hawks, and we were down by like five with like less than a minute to go, and GR three hit the game winning three pointer. I don't know if you remember that. Yeah, like yeah, yeah, absolutely. But, yeah, we were about to – my son was like, oh, man, we're going to lose. I said, no, you can't leave until the clock's hit triple zero, and it just so happened that. <laughs> that's a good thing. <laughs> right there. that shot, so that's a good lesson. <laughs> but, yeah, man, I, I try to go to every game I can, but, you know, the house sucks, so. <laughs> <laughs> well, Dewan, you are the official Born Ready to Pod podcast Twitter ambassador. Uh, we love you. We we enjoy everything you bring to the table. Uh, definitely uh, one of my favorite guys to talk to and follow on Twitter. So, so happy to have you today. It means a lot to us, and uh, I can't wait to talk to you again. All right. Thank you guys for having me, man. I really appreciate everything you've done, man. I, I love following you guys, and it's, it's, it's a whole lot of fun. <laughs> Thanks, buddy. We'll talk to you soon. All right, guys. Our last and final caller here of the day. Very special guest, it's going to be hard to follow up the first a two. Pressure. A lot of pressure on you to, you know, to deliver here. So I, we have Jared New here on the line. Big follower of us on Twitter. He likes a bunch of our stuff, retweets us, makes us feel good about ourselves. So, Jared, we really appreciate you joining us here today. Not a problem. Thanks, thanks for having me. So, I, like I've told you before, as we've been talking, I'm just going to give you the floor here. So, what's on your mind? What do you want to talk about, Pacers related? Anything you got that you know you want to get off your chest here tonight? So, I had a couple things. Um, really, it was a like looking moving forward here because I mean, now that you know Oladipo has been out, of course, the last several games, it's kind of opened the floor to a lot of players to show what they got. Um, so, so the first thing I wanted to bring up was, was Aaron Holiday because he's been, I think, such a positive, you know, guy off the bench for us, especially energy-wise. How do you expect us to get minutes for him once Old Depot comes back? I think the natural thing we kind of mentioned this uh, on a previous caller, but I think the natural thing for us to do would probably look. And DC has been playing well. He played well last night, and I haven't been a DC guy, but. I think eventually at some point you you probably try to move DC to a, a point guard needy team or a, a team that just needs a veteran. Uh, he's on a he's on a one year deal now. 
Um, so the chances of us resigning him aren't good. And I just I think it would just stunt Holiday's growth way too much if he sits on the bench for very long. It's clear that he needs to be in the rotation. Um, I think the trade that makes the most sense, again, like we just stated earlier, uh, DC maybe for Trevor Ariza. I think Ariza is a 3 and D guy that has has experience in the playoffs. Um, I believe he's won a championship. Um, and I just think he would be a perfect fit. If we had to throw in TJ Leaf, um, wouldn't hurt me too much. Uh, I'd even probably throw in maybe a second-round pick just to get it done because I do think Trevor Ariza would be huge for us. And uh, more importantly, though, for moving on from – DC, you're also opening up that playing time for Holiday, and I think that's absolutely huge for him going forward. I don't think we could put him on the bench. I almost think we should send him down to Fort Wayne before we let him just sit on the NBA bench. But I would rather keep him in the rotation, open up minutes in mid-December by trading DC, which I know is tough because he's been playing well. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I mean, also with Holiday too. I mean, he's a guy that's you know we've all expected him to hit a wall at some point here, as all rookies do, but it's just. You know, he, he's been able to really come in and provide some energy even when he's not scoring or necessarily, you know, doing the things that he does well. He, at the very least, is providing energy off the bench, which, I mean, I know that we've all criticized Ty- Tyreek a lot lately, and, and rightfully so, but, you know, he's very stoic in his playing ability, so he's not a guy that's necessarily going to be very inspirational as far as energy goes. Yeah, definitely So it's not. nice to have a guy like Holiday come off the bench and do that. You might be the first person to ever say Tyreek Evans is stoic, and I don't know how I feel about it, to be honest with you. <laughs> yeah, but as far he as Aaron Holiday, I think... emotion at all. Like, I even met him at the fan jam, and he was, like, just very... That was, that was it. Like, <laughs> Yeah. Just, hey, what's up? I'm here. I'm Tyreek Evans. Pretty much, yeah. That actually sums it up, re- like, really well. <laughs> all right, what else you got on your mind? Because I agree uh, Aaron Holiday needs more playing time. The other thing, too, is is recently, of course, you know, with, with Oladipo being, being out, I mean, that's shots that need, you know, obviously still need to be distributed. And so Miles has taken up a lot of those shots. So how can we continue to get him more of those shots? Because I feel like, when, you, know, you know, when he's able to shoot the ball more than five or six times a game, we're better. I mean, like last night, you know, he took 17 shots, and even though he only hit eight of them, it was still a very important part of our offense, and it definitely allowed the ball to flow or to flow and move around more and, and things like that. So how can we continue to keep him active in the offense? The thing I've seen, specifically in the Bulls game, that I don't always see from Miles was he was demanding the ball at points. He was clapping his hands, hand in the air, like, give me the damn ball. And that's the thing I you didn't you haven't seen with Miles too often over the years. So I think he needs to take it upon himself to demand the ball, get in those positions, keep working the pick and roll with Victor like Domas does so well, Try to and just keep playing defense. I mean, he he's out there specifically for his defense, and if he gives you 18 a night, you're like, damn, he had one of the best games of the season. So if he can just keep demanding the ball personally, rotation, and I think against a team like the Bulls, they didn't really have anyone that could stop him down low. Laurie Markkinen and him are pretty similar size-wise, and yeah. he, he's got the experience over Markkinen. That's what helped him last night. Yeah, I think, um, again, the Bulls are really bad against the center. I think that's huge. Um, I, I just think Miles played with confidence. I think a lot of it with Miles is confidence, and sometimes he does get pushed around. And I, I, you know, kind of just reading between the lines, I think that's happened a lot throughout his career, not just in the NBA. He's, he's never been a super strong guy. 
Um, and he, that's kind of how he developed the 15-foot jump shot. If you watch some of his interviews talking about how he's always been a pretty good 15-foot jumper, jump shot, um, well, dude, if I'm 7 foot and I'm in high school, I, I'm not playing from 15 feet. Just throw me the ball and I'll just dunk it on somebody. So it's I think it's just something he's always had a problem with, demanding the ball. He's not a super outspoken guy the way it is. So um, just seeing him actually like demand the ball yesterday really, uh, really made me happy. So um, I do think going forward, for us to reach our potential, Miles has to be able to bang inside just a little more. Um, of course, when we definitely need a bucket inside, we're going to go to Sabonis. I think we can all agree on that. So um, just that confidence, I love it. I, I, I hope hope to see it against even a guy like maybe Rudy Gobert. Uh, you know what I mean? Just let's go Whoa. for it. Dude, it's the confidence. It's a little bit of edge. You don't always have to be successful. It's the process, how you get there. Don't always worry about the result. And uh, that that's huge for Miles. I can't wait to see it. Yeah, I mean, in the Utah game, when they were here, too, I mean, he was able to to really outplay Gobert for most of the game because he could pull Gobert away from the basket due to shooting outside. So he really rendered Gobert kind of, you know, ineffective on the defensively or when they were able to switch other guys on him. It really didn't work because he's so much taller. But, um, yeah, I just don't want him to fall into that rhythm of thinking to himself, like, <clears throat> I only need to shoot, shoot the ball like five or six times a game. Like, nah. You need to shoot it more like twelve times a game. Yeah. Ram, you know, and I just want him to shoot more. Just yeah. just in general. Even if it's not necessarily going in, it's just the confidence of, you know, I'm gonna be shooting because I can make this shot it's definitely something I want from him, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And that's always been his thing. Just we need him to have the confidence and it just keeps coming back to that. I got we got a couple side questions here for you. First off, have you heard back? Did you win the Hedwig uh, Funko Pop that you retweeted on your timeline? I have not heard back from it, but I'm certainly hoping. Every single time I've retweeted one of those, man, I've, I've just not, I'm not one because like, I'm just one of 6,000 people every time. But being in the top 700 this time. But, like, what? Now, my, my dear grandmother, I mean, she, and I love Harry Potter, so I'm, all, I'm, all, I'm Team Hedwig. My grandma bought me last last Christmas. Now I'm a 27 year old dude at this point. You're okay? 28 now. No, but last year I was 27, <laughs> and she she buys me a Harry Potter Funko, and I'm like a little pop thing. What do you do with those things? What what's the point of them? Just please give me a breakdown. That's a fantastic question. So I actually have like I so I, I think I have a total of like 24 of them. Oof. And I have no idea actually what the point is. I, I actually pondered <laughs> this a lot. And I know several other other collectors, and they also cannot answer this question. I have no idea. They're <laughs> like, kind of like this generation's Beanie Babies. Or Furbies. Like. Yeah. <laughs> really, that, that, that's pretty much exactly it. And like, they all look really I really cool. wonder if they have some, like, you know, like, influence superpower or something over them <laughs> that I'm just not getting or something. But it's just, really, all they do is just sit on a shelf, and that's it. <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. this is... I, I never know where the podcast is going, and I never thought I'd tell this story about Beanie Babies, but here it goes. Um, and Grandma grandma listens to our podcast. Grandma, you will get a kick out of this. Thank you. I love you. But at one point, you kind of mentioned the Beanie Baby type deal. My grandma and I would go to all kinds of stores to buy Beanie Babies, and every time we would find a bear that was like popular – she just assured me that that would pay for my college one day. Like she was completely like, I remember going out for like some Princess Diana bear. Princess Diana bear. Yeah, we we bought like ten of them for like six bucks, and she was like, "This will probably put you through college." And uh, after after years of student loans, I can confirm what a giant waste of time that was. <laughs> 
right. the crazy thing about these pop figures too is like so they actually have several different apps and stuff for them too that'll show like the price or whatever for or for sale price of them or for resale price of them. Yeah. And some of them are absolutely insane on how much they sell for, especially if you find them that say Chase on them. Those mm-hmm. are going to be worth a lot of money and you can sell them for, I mean, people will pay hundreds of dollars. I'm not someone that does that. I'm more of the just like buys them and kind of sets them up because I think that they look decently cool. But other than that, I mean, I don't, I don't get paying $400 for it this little tiny figure that does nothing to sit on a shelf. You know? Yeah, I, I agree. So that's enough Funko pop for today. I think we've hit our limit. What about your fighting Irish? I see you're a Notre Dame fan. You got Clemson. Is it in Dallas? I think is the, it the doesn't game. Matter. It is. So what do you think? Do you, got, do you guys have a chance? What, what, what are the keys to victory in that game? I think that we absolutely have a chance. I mean, I, I, being an Irish fan, it's really, it's really hard, you know, to, over the years because everybody thinks that Notre Dame is this big program, which they are, but we've been underrated all year. I mean, people are for some reason down on our strength of schedule, but we've played like seven ranked teams this year. I don't really understand why people are down on it, but and Ball I State. absolutely think that we have a chance. I mean, I always ask the question of like, why do you want us to join a conference so that we yeah. can crush all those teams as well? Fine. Yeah, <laughs> sure. But I really, I really think that we do have a chance. I mean, for, for Clemson, it's just, finding ways to score on them. Their defense is so fantastic and has been fantastic for several years now. It's just, you know, we just got to be able to strike first and get ahead and let our defense carry us throughout the rest of the game. I think we'll be fine. All right, I got a couple questions for you. Um, Would Notre Dame win the SEC? Uh, I mean, Bama is, nah, nah, we wouldn't win the SEC. Okay, would you (laughs) win... The ACC. I think we'd finish top three in the SEC, though. Would you win the ACC? Yes. You think, think so. so you think you beat Clemson? I think that we will beat Clemson. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit of that is a little bit of that is biased. No, I mean it's a cool place. Uh, last year, I went to watch USC Notre Dame, and Notre Dame just absolutely railed them. But I thought last year's team, and again, I'm not a fan of USC. I'm not a you know, I'm a Purdue fan, so take that for what it's worth. I, I just kind of watch football, love football, but I just don't think there is physical this year, especially on the offensive line. I mean, they lost Nelson McGlinchey. I mean, they're not as physical, um, and it kind of scares me because I I think Clemson could work them. I'm just scared. I, I, I don't, don't think that I, their offensive line is as physical, but their defense, though. I mean, this is a team that if you're famous, they're going to try to step on your throat pretty much the whole year. Like, even a team like Florida State, who's obviously been, been down this year, Notre Dame took that game seriously because they're Florida State. You know, like, if you're famous, they are, they are going to want to just destroy you. And so, I mean, this is a team that all year has been able to rise to the occasion of whoever they played, whether it be Michigan or – or you know, a top fifteen team Syracuse this year, or really anybody it's, that they've played, they've they've risen up to it. So yeah, I mean, I get you. I'm no, not you should be pumped. That. You should be fired up. If you're a real Notre Dame fan, you should be fired up. My last question on Notre Dame is, I I I did happen to hear that you said that you guys would be third in the SEC. So who would have been second? I mean, I think that we'd be top three in the SEC. I mean, I think you know, Bama would obviously be number one. Uh-huh. I mean, they're pretty much. You know the Death Star at this point. Yeah, well, um, yeah, we all hate them. We yeah, they're Ohio <laughs> State for me. Would they're... probably be. I, I think that we could beat Georgia this year because I think that people are overrating Georgia now that they played really well in that Alabama game. 
And no, they should not be a top four team because they have two losses. That's craziness for all those ESPN people talking about that. But um, I think that either us or Georgia would probably be two or three. Okay. All right. Fair. All fair. I've, I've talked enough Notre Dame today. I, I can't do it anymore. Um, are you are you a Notre Dame basketball fan, though, too? You're not one of those Notre Dame football IU basketball fans, are you? Just please tell me you're not. I'm not. I mean – Oh, I no. will pretty much cheer for anybody that's from Indiana when okay. it comes to basketball. I'm not – I wouldn't say – I mean, I like Notre Dame basketball too, okay. but I'm not somebody that's going to sit here and say like I'm like a diehard fan or anything. Okay. Um, but I definitely, you know, want to see them do well yeah. for sure. But pretty much it's just college basketball and I have as much of, of like a favorite team, so I'm pretty much somebody that will – I mean, if you're from, from Indiana when it comes tournament time – I just hope that you win. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Jared, any more Pacers thoughts here before we wrap up? I got nothing, man. All right. Well, Jared, we appreciate you having you on. I can't I can't believe we went to Funko, uh, Funko Pop, Beanie Babies. But you know what? That's what you get with the Born Ready to Pod. you got to be born ready to talk about anything. Um, best, Absolutely. Best of luck to you and your Notre Dame Fighting Irish as they uh, try to win a national championship. And, of course, go Pacers. Love having you on. Can't wait to do it again sometime. Certainly appreciate it, guys. Thank you for, for, for having me on. It was a great time as always. Oh, no doubt, man. Thank you. Yes, sir. You know, ever since we started this podcast, people have been asking us for advice. Uh, usually it's, you know, how many games will the Pacers win this season? Uh, the truth is, I don't know who's how many games they're going to win, but if you think you know, you got to go check out my bookie. Remember, who you're betting on is just as important as who you're betting with. That's why I always tell people to bet with my bookie. Trust me, guys, they're your best bet this season. They've been in business for years, have great reviews online, and their mobile site is easy to use. I would only recommend a service to our listeners that's been good to us. So that's why I'm urging you to make your way to my bookie. You win, they pay. They have in-game live betting, over-unders on fantasy points scored, and the most rewarding player perks in the business. Right now, MyBookie is slammed with new bettors and wants to give everyone the best service possible. If you're willing to deposit after 7 p.m. Eastern Time, they'll give you an additional $25 free play on deposits over $100. Join now and MyBookie will match your deposit dollar for dollar. Use promo code READY25 to activate the offer. Visit MyBookie online today. That's M-Y-B-O-O-K-I-E. And don't forget to use the promo code READY25 when creating your account to claim up to $1,000 in free play. If you're willing to hold out until after 7 p.m., you can get an extra $25 free play by using our promo code READY25. It's up to you guys, but I'd wait until after dinner and take that extra cash. It's time for Around the Association. All right, a little holiday edition of Around the Association for all you listeners out there. First up on the docket, we got the Maria Mario Hazonia dunk on Giannis. It was a chase down dunk. He pulled a full 
Allen Iverson over Ty Lue, stepped over him right after, gave him the stare down. Post game, Giannis says if that happens again, I'm punching him in the nuts. <laughs> gotta respect it. I mean, you can't just you can't just get Allen Iverson. I mean, you gotta just you gotta make a statement at least. And punching a guy in the nuts, it's about as hardcore as you can get. I think Draymond Green esque. Hardcore disagree with this take <laughs> because here here's what you can't if you are Giannis if you are Giannis you cannot say if it happens again. Like, point blank, you cannot, under any circumstance, get dunked on by Mario Hazonia again in your life. If it happens again, he should step right back over Giannis and put him in his place. If Giannis gets dunked on again by Mario Hazonia, I will repeat, it should happen again. Now, I'm not sure he gets dunked on. Like, Giannis makes a hell of an effort just to get there, and he just... He gets there just just a touch later, else that shit's going in the 17th row. Yeah. And so I kind of feel like Mario didn't even see him there, and then he just turned around, and he's like, oh, shit, that's Giannis going to step over him. So I think it's kind of a soft move by Mario, but I respect it. Yeah. Chris, you got If you're takes? Mario, how, I don't watch Mario Hazonia highlights, and I'm sure he doesn't have very many. That's a highlight of his career. He's got to take advantage of it. He's on a one-year deal right now. He might not be in the NBA next year. Take advantage of whatever opportunity you get, and if you can step over a guy like that, go for it. Yeah, and uh, next up on the docket, we have something that Chris and Jake have actually noticed about Tyreek Evans. Would you like to talk about that? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to set the background music for this. I love it. Okay, um, this was something I noticed yesterday really bad, and I kind of went back and looked at some Pacer highlights just when Tyreek's on the floor. Tyreek Evans is the absolute worst when it comes to getting back on defense. When a shot goes up, just watch him. And, like, I couldn't figure it out. I, I think it was the Sacramento Kings game. They kept just pushing the tempo, pushing the ball when he was in the game. And I was like, what the heck's going on? It's because he literally walks back to the equivalent of the volleyball line. And then he starts jogging, and then he never gets above a jog. He can't get back on defense, never knows where his guy is. And then if you notice when he's in the court, notice how many times like guys are just like sprinting at wide open guys that are wide open. And it's literally because he doesn't get back on defense. It's really bothering me now. And then I went back because I the or whatever you call it. Yeah, I recorded the game yesterday. And it literally like happens like, 10 times in the first half and I'm, it just drives me nuts so. I know exactly what you're talking about I remember a play when he fell down going to the basket and like a play took play developed on the other end took maybe 5-6 seconds couldn't see Tyreek in the frame by any means Markin takes a corner 3 luckily it was like one of only like 2 he missed all night yeah. thank god but I do I know exactly what you're talking about it, it, the infuriating part is when I've noticed that when he's on the right wing, where it's like perfect, like on the view, okay, and he literally, you know, like, you see the shot goes up, go up, and he always just does the walk, like, oh, it's for sure going in. They get the ball and they're like pushing it, especially Fox. He was yeah, pushing it hardcore, absolutely. And then he's just like, oh, I better start jogging now. And it's almost like he like waits too long, and then he's got to be like cool jog down the court, and it just oh, it infuriates me, it pisses me off. So many easy transition threes, and uh, if he doesn't fix it. It's going to be a problem in the playoffs, I'm telling you. And he's not going to fix it because it's the NBA, but it just bothers me. Yeah, I think uh, I've said it many times. Tyreek Evans has the most severe case of resting bitch face in the NBA, and I'll stand by that. Next up, we have Markel Fultz back in the news, back in around the association, our favorite guy to talk about. Every time. The former number one overall pick has been diagnosed with theriatric 
outlet syndrome, and I have no idea if I pronounced that right. I don't even know but what I, that is. And it's not even a real disease. That's not real, is it? I, he made that up. Yeah, 100%. Well, the, the weird His part, agent made it up, for yeah. sure. Well, somebody called into ESPN saying that it hurts really bad and was trying to describe it, and I still can tell you really what it is. It's yeah. Like, yeah. My it's muscles not real. forgot how to do what they normally do or something. I don't know. That's code word for we don't know what the hell is going on. Let's make up the most difficult name we can so people don't understand. The common person like us, not like a medical professional. So they don't know what's going on. And we're just, we're back where we're at. I love the Markel Fultz tweets. Keep them coming, Woj. I love posting the 100% of shots you <laughs> you miss or whatever it is, that, that <laughs> meme that we made. And actually, I saw, I haven't told you, I've seen other people that have made the meme just like ours in black and white. So it's becoming a thing. It's becoming a trend. Other people are making the meme now. We're, cut, we're making our ways around the association, as they say. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, he's going to be out three to four weeks to rehab and receive treatment. It's This is a big ploy by his agent just to make him not look like he's the worst number just one all an idiot. since Anthony Bennett. So, yeah, good for his agent. I mean, he's got people believing that in three to four weeks he'll be fixed. So that's a short timetable for Folds. Next up, Joakim Noah. Former Florida Gator, Chicago Bull, and I don't know where else he played. He played around the association. Is now a Memphis Grizzly. Thoughts? What year is it? It's, I think it's 2018 still. That's my thought. (laughs) When's the last year that Noah had a productive year in the NBA? It'd be like four or five years ago. Probably like 20. He won Defensive Player of the Year several years ago. He can't shoot. Um, Never could shoot. He's a guy that comes off the bench and can get you some garbage minutes, so... Uh, Would you take him over TJ Leaf? Yes. <laughs> I no, would. There was no hesitation. Hold on, just to spit. So, mean, do you have any thoughts on Joe Kim Can I pose my question now? Oh, my only thought is I want I want I want to watch when he plays Draymond Green because I think Draymond Green. Joakim Noah will be a great fight to the death of Trash Talk. I That's can't it. wait to see what hairstyle he comes out with. But go ahead, Chris. Could you beat TJ Leaf one on one? And okay, so we got to set some parameters. All right. Because I think the first five minutes I'm playing him, I'm, I'm all up in his grill. I think it's a tough competitive match. Do I just have to score once? Is it to a certain point value? Let's say play to three by ones. Three by ones? I think I'd get up early on him. I think it'd be a 1 0 for like a super long time. And then I'd just get super tired. He'd probably start blocking me. Me personally, I don't think I could. What about you? Uh, it depends if it's, you know, like if, it, if we're playing like prison rules where he's not going to be a little punk and like I can get on him and, you know, I mean, he's not going to drive around me. I mean, he's got that grandpa first step. So, I mean, I feel pretty good about my chances. Uh, I'm sure he would try to shut me down, but. Um, I would work his little punk ass for sure. You think so? You think he'd be a 3-0 sweep? 3-1? No, I mean, I'd probably 2-1. I mean, I'd probably give up 1. 2-1, and then I think it'd be something tough. I could picture him being the guy that hits the 3 and he's like, game over, dude. That's worth two points in this game. <laughs> okay, well, there we go. We got Fred Hoiberg fired from the Chicago Bulls. Uh, Jim Boylan takes over, and we spoiled his opening game as a Pacers, so... Good for him. I mean, I think he was an assistant for the Spurs for a while, like every coach and seems the to have been. And the Pacers. So, what thoughts? I like the way he was on the sideline. Yeah, he game. was fired up. He's fired up. I don't think that's going to last maybe, you know, like two a games. week or two. Yeah. yeah. it's And once he loses like five in a row, he's going to lose that energy. Yeah. First game, he's going to have it. He's probably won't be the head coach. Now. Although they didn't call him interim head coach, uh, they called him head coach. Yeah, out of now. respect, probably. Out of respect. So... Yeah, good for Jim Boylan. Uh, wish, wish him the best of luck. 
uh, he's going to lose that passion here about a week after they lose. He's going to start coming out in sweatpants yeah, in like I, two I, weeks. I have this great story on Twitter. I had it up and then I accidentally just deleted it. But they just, the day after a game, which was yesterday because we're putting, yes. So it was yesterday. Yeah. So he literally made the Bulls practice for two and a half hours, which apparently is unheard of in the NBA. Yeah. And literally practice. And then he didn't have the tempo where he wanted it. So after practice, he made them run four liners. So it's like old school, high school coach. He's the new Thibodeau. Is what I, I mean, that's, I mean, that's what it seems like. So if he doesn't get what he wants, he, he's going to, he's going to make their asses run. And they're all a bunch of young guys. So he can kind of bully him a little bit too. So this might actually be a match made in heaven. Jabari Parker's knees are 48 years old. So I don't know how young they actually are. <laughs> All right, next up, we got Clay Thompson's quote on the Cavs. He was asked about the pettiness when LeBron was on the Cavs, um, he, specifically about the cookies, uh, 3-0 cookies that they made, and he said he'd forgotten about that. Then he said he called the Cavs bums and said that's what you get. That's what gets you 1-8 in the NBA Finals. So shots fired by Clay Thompson. And they're actually down at half. There's no way the Cavs win this game. But if they do, uh, pfft, that'd be hilarious. Thoughts? Uh, I mean, they lost. Let's just say, let's just say it's it's one one, Cavs and uh, Warriors in the finals. You can't count those last two. Yeah, Kevin no. Durant coming. I mean, There's it's no just not fair. It's not fair. Clay Thompson, I get it. He wants to, you know, they're down and and they're. I mean, he just wants what are what's the expression? You got to step on their throats or something like that, whatever that is. That's what he's doing. He's stepping on their throats. They're in a really bad situation. He just he's just come going all in and I mean you got Kevin Durant and all these other guys. I I just whatever, Clay. Whatever. Yeah, Golden State wins probably four one, whoever the hell they play this year, so I have no comment. I just hate it. I hate the NBA right now because it's just like oh we we're saying they're struggling. Okay, and as of right now, they're, they're tied. Or, sorry, not tied. They're up by six against the Cleveland Cavaliers at halftime. Like, it's not even fun. Like, they're going to figure it out because they all, they, they're all just whining at each other now. They're going to figure it out. Clay Thompson just said some off-the-cuff off off comment. Whatever. Don't really give a shit. Yeah. Oh, well, that's that concludes Around the Association. Jake doesn't give a shit, so we'll be moving on. <laughs> that's all we got. <laughs> Yeah, that's all. I, there wasn't much NBA news. It's it's kind of like the dead weeks right before the uh, the All Star break, and then you got the trade deadline. So it, it'll pick back up. I, I do have I do have a question. Okay, how good's Laurie Markkinen around Dude, the association? Laurie Markkinen's the truth. I mean, just he's just a matchup nightmare, and he shot he's so like, well in that game. He's like a Dirk slash what? I mean, like he did shoot twenty four times. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. know, but you can like tell like he's. Like he's the real deal. Like the way he moves. Yeah. Like I, I think he's probably a high volume shooter now. But if he figures this thing out, yeah, could be if tough. they ever got a, some pieces around him, just look out. He could hit the weight room. That probably helps. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Finish up the week this week. The Pacers Friday night they play at Orlando against the Orlando Magic. Win and uh, Magic right now twelve and twelve. That could change because there's games happening until that. Uh, they're seventh in the East and they're six and six at home. So they're winning some home games there. Uh, they play Saturday at home versus the Kings. We all know what happened in that Kings game last week. Uh, Kings right now 12 and 11, ninth in the Western Conference, six and six on the road. So they're winning road games. So 
Got to take them seriously there. And then they finish up Monday night. They play against the Wizards at home. Wizards right now 10-14, uh, ninth in the Eastern Conference and 3-9 and on the road. But they are playing better basketball than they were at the beginning of the season. So how do you see these next three games shaking out for the Pacers? I'm not making any proclamations because last time I did, the Pacers lost both games that I said they would win. So what do you think? Pacers finishing up the week to wrap this up. Well, we always have the the pre-recording blessing of Born Ready to Pop. We always win before we record. So we're going into with a hot note to this this Friday night matchup against Orlando. I can't there's there probably hasn't been a time in the NBA ever where the Orlando Magic and the Sacramento Kings have been 500 or above this late into the season. It's, yeah. We're not even a we're like a fourth of the way in. So that's what's it's very shocking. Both those teams are competitive, but they give us fits, especially Sacramento with the, with Darren Fox and some of their big guys and the other Bogdan, the fake Bogdanovic is what I'll call him. But uh, I, I think we'll win in Orlando because I mean we ha- I don't I don't know. It's I don't want I hate making these proclamations too because everything I say is always the opposite. It seems like, but I would like to see us go two and one these next games, whatever way possible. I don't want to lose the Kings, get swept by the Kings in a season. That would really depress me all of a sudden. So I, we got to win that game, and I think we get Orlando. Yeah, and right now the Pacers nine and three against the Eastern mm-hmm. Conference. They, uh, as I mentioned earlier in our discussion with Dewan, two and six against above 500 teams, 12 and four below 500. So you'd like to see them pick up those wins against the above 500 teams. Below 500, they're doing what they need to do. Uh, another good stat that I've seen is home games, and they have a lot of those this month in December. They are uh, opponents at when the Patriots play in Bankers Life. They're averaging 97.5 points yeah. per game. That's not noise. So, yeah, they're not scoring many points when they're playing on our floor. So hopefully, you know, we can pick up the scoring. Uh, that was a close game last night with the Bulls. But uh, I'm not, like I said, I'm not making any proc- proclamations. Since we're going Should stats, be a good three games, though. last night I heard we haven't lost three games in a calendar year in a row. That's a great stat. I love stats. And then the other stat I heard is I think we're one of three or maybe the only team with a winning record on the road and at home which is yeah. also pretty impressive considering, you know, the major injury we've had and, you know, a f- couple games without our star player. So I think that's very impressive overall. Yeah. I, could, I, I couldn't be more sure that we're going to it the rest of the week. Like, I couldn't be more sure. Like, <laughs> I want to put something on it that means something, um, but I'm not going to uh, because I don't have a lot in my life. So <laughs> I'm just kidding. But, no, seriously, I, I could see us definitely going to it. You can't lose to the Kings. You can't get swept by the Kings. Can't get you just by the cannot you just get swept cannot by the Kings. cannot get ever. Ever. And then you're playing Orlando, <laughs> just shut down uh, Nikola Vucevic, and then just just handle the shooters, 2-0, and and then we'll start talking about the Wizards next week. Yeah. But let's just win these 10. two games. Let's get these two games. Let's just be done. 16-10 looks great, I'll be honest. I'll take 16-10 all day. And I will say, and I'm going to wrap it up with this final thought, Pacers fans need to relax. I've seen a lot of people on social media just absolutely – just acting like the world is ending, that this they need to blow the team up. Uh, <laughs> Keep like, them coming. I, like, just give me all the doomsday the predictions. ridiculous takes. Have. Calm the hell down. The Pacers are 14-10. and 10. They could be 10-14. and 14. They've played nine games now without their best player and going on. They're 5-4 and four without him. Last year they were 0-7. Shut the hell up. They're going to be there when it's all said and done. Obviously we want to get home court advantage in the playoffs. But you know what? If we get the fifth seed again, let's go for it. We went to seven games last year. And those teams ahead of them right now, Raptors, Bucks, Sixers, Pistons, really the only team that I would be scared to face in the first round would be the, the Raptors. Pistons. Oh. Oh, the Pistons. <laughs> yeah, apparently. 
So, I mean, just need to calm down, guys. The statistics-wise, the only thing that I really don't like so far, 2-6 and six against above 500 teams. That needs to bump up. But I think that we all have big expectations. We had them as well. I think Kent Sterling got us all riled up when he said we were going to win 55 games easily. <laughs> uh, love that man's optimism. Love it. I love it. And uh, I just think that we just need to pump the brakes. Be content with where we're at. It's December, and when the Pacers are, you know, top three in March, I'm gonna. I've been taking screenshots, by the way, at all these bad takes. And if the Pacers, the Pacers finish with a good record and a decent seating, they're getting posted. So, any more thoughts from you guys before we wrap it up? No, nothing. I got nothing. Let's go. All right, this is the Pacers podcast. All right, that's gonna wrap Let's it. Let's go. That's gonna wrap it up. Thanks again to Chris, Dewan, and Jared for calling in. Really appreciated their conversation. Uh, hope to do more of those going forward. If you ever have interest, just let us know. Um, but that's going to wrap up this episode. Really appreciate you guys listening. We'll be back next week with another recap and preview. Go Pacers. <laughs>